This message was recorded at Devoted, a Christ Central Festival for all the family. To find out more about Devoted, please visit devotedevent.org. Buenas noches a todos ustedes. That means good evening, and I understood a little bit of the English that was spoken. A wee bit, just I turned to over here and I said, that means a little. So hopefully you will understand my English tonight a little bit as we go on the big story together. I count it uh, a real privilege and honor to be here. Gracias. Thanks, Jeremy, for allowing me to speak tonight and also to the team. And what has already happened this evening, what actually the Lord has already done highlights already many things that I have included in what I feel the Lord wants to speak to us this evening. Uh, They were actually verbatim. They were actually exact phrases that I've already written down or I have here before me, including the, I would say, prophetic singing of Lou. Thank you for Lou and the band. It's uh, been great tonight. I I believe in what Jeremy was praying about uh, freedom uh, to go, speaking of the cross, Lou was uh, singing about going, not being stuck. Uh, She actually sang at one point up here, nothing is impossible for the Lord. And so we're going to speak about that tonight through a story, actually speaking of God's big story. Uh, Prior to that, I just want to mention a few days ago, uh, my wife and I, we took some time out together celebrating our 35th wedding anniversary. We were in the great city of London, and uh, we took some time to go see Terry and Wendy Virgo, obviously great friends of ours for many, many years, and they send their greetings to all of you, and they're very aware of this environment and what is happening uh, with us as Christ Central, and Terry's thrilled, obviously. Terry's one of these guys that he just loves what the Lord is doing uh, all around the nations and with what the family of New Frontiers is all about. And also to our friends in Ghana, that has mentioned many times, we say uh, a big hello to all of you. We had a great time there. Uh, so we want to include you in that as well. We do have some Mexican, uh, a Mexican family with us, great friends. They're sitting over there, Miguel and Sandy. Uh, they're with us, so it's great to have them come a long way. They're suffering. They're suffering because they live in one of the hottest areas temperature-wise of Mexico. Right now, it's about 45 degrees centigrade in the day, so they're freezing. So if you see them not even be able to speak, uh, you'll know why. I believe that the Lord spoke to me very clearly at the start of the year prior to two spheres joining together, uh, the Mexican sphere, as it were, in Christ Central, not knowing what was going to happen. But I believe the Lord spoke to me very, very clearly at the beginning of the year asking me the following question, will you continue? And this has come through already tonight in the worship and the words that have been spoken. Will you continue to take steps of faith? Will you continue to walk in faith with me, not with me, but with the Lord, and take steps of faith with me regarding your future? And it hit me very strongly. I hadn't heard the Lord speak to me, I don't think that clearly, for quite a long time. And my response was, uh, yeah, I think so. Not knowing what the Lord was going to ask of myself and my wife and, and how it was all going to work out. And I, I believe that as we are here together and devoted, I believe that God is challenging all of us to continue to walk by faith, both individually and collectively as a family of churches and when the planting of churches uh, as Christ central. I believe that the Lord hasn't only spoken to me, but I believe he's speaking to you tonight and to all of us gathered at this event during this time, at this moment in our history together. Are we going to continue to take steps of faith? Will we continue to trust God for the future? Uh, Will we continue to be led by the Lord? And hopefully our response, which we've sang about tonight, we've heard about tonight, will be, yes, we will do that. I believe that there's people here in this conference, in this 
family gathering that I believe we'll be hearing for the first time to take new steps of faith when it comes to new church planting. What these guys just said up here about planting new churches in Halifax, again, they quote some of the things I'll be saying a little bit later in what I have to say this evening. I believe there's others as well, and we've already prayed about this during worship time, but I believe there's many of us here, and I've had to, I would include myself in this, over 33 years living in Mexico, that we need, I believe this, to renew our trust in what we know that God has spoken to us and has called us to do in the past. I think it's a time to, to really renew, not, not so much a vow, but really to remember and bring to mind once again what we sense and feel that God has called us to do. Jeremy, or I think it came out actually in the video a few moments ago, is that since 2011, within this group of churches, this family called New Frontiers, with the release of apostolic leaders to lead all of these spheres and these groups of churches, New Frontiers since 2011 is on a new journey of faith. It's going to where it's never been before. And yeah, things have changed. Things are different uh, than they ever were. And we're all on this journey together, all of us, because it is a walk of faith. And to be quite honest, as one of the leaders within New Frontiers and the apostolic guys being released, it all hasn't been smooth sailing. There have been challenges. There have been rough patches, as you say, in the road. But the future, as far as a family and spheres and all of this of New Frontiers, is to move forward. We can't stop. We can't stay static. God's going to show us the way in this new journey. And I want to say this prophetically. It's very simple. But when I was um, preparing this uh, a while back, I believe that God speaks about Christ Central, myself being part of this, that the future is bright. I think there's a bright future for Christ Central without a doubt. I sense more than ever before, even being here tonight, it's the first night, everybody together, and look, I just say, wow, God is here. I mean, I turned around, and I love to turn around and watch people worship. These guys up on the stage get to watch it all the time, but you're all just there. There's actually, I believe, a sense of the blessing and the favor of God upon us, without a doubt, but I believe God's going to be asking us to do more, to take something, to some steps that are new. I believe there's new places and new lands to go and to receive as an inheritance. And I believe there's going to be a greater impact. It'll be accelerated in the days to come besides what everything that's been happening. But it requires us all to participate. It requires all of us to be in this together. And it will extend, but also we want to build really well. It's not just to extend ourselves, but to build really well. Talking about God's big story, and if there's a, I shared this today, my wife and I, uh, when we were sent to Mexico way back in 1985, I was a younger guy back then, had hair and everything. Um, back in 1985, I just believe the kind of my life text or my life verse is, I will bless you. I will bless you, but it's to be a blessing to the world. We are called to be a blessing to the world around us. In my case, or in our case, we've gone to Mexico to bless the country of Mexico and I believe all of uh, Latin America. But for all of us, no matter where we live, where we're at, God is blessing you. He has blessed you. He's called him unto himself to be a blessing to the nations of the world. And we'll talk about that right now tonight. There's three things that we'll mention tonight. We're going to talk about a call. We'll talk about a journey. And we're going to talk about sacrifice. So I'm going to read Genesis chapter 12. It should appear hopefully up there on the screen behind us. This is the story that we're going to talk about, the story of Abram or Abraham that many of us probably know really, really well. There isn't time to speak about every aspect of his life, but I do want to mention those three things, a call, a journey, and a sacrifice. So Genesis 12 verse 1 says this, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So, and this is what I like, it kind of gets lost sometimes in the reading of things. So Abram actually went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Just to help us along when we speak of faith and a walk of faith, simply put, it speaks of faith, a complete trust or dependence in someone or something. And I believe the Lord would like to challenge us tonight in where our dependence and trust are at today and what it, what it means for us personally. There's other words like belief, conviction, a reliance upon, a dependence upon that are synonyms to what we can say is faith and what it's about. The first thing before we journey too far along in their journey together, Abraham and Sarah, is Abram, he heard the voice of God. But at this stage of his life, he was still limited, I think, in his knowledge of him, and there was many things that he was going to learn. Just like all of us as we're on this faith journey, there's many things that we learn along the way. We have faith, but we still have sometimes limited knowledge when we first start out. The, to, speaking about the story, uh, today we were talking about, my wife and I, we were talking about when we got sent to Mexico. I was 25, my wife was 24. We'd been married two years, two whole years. And we had a one-year-old son when we got sent to this nation called Mexico. We didn't know Spanish. There was no social media back then. And we just went because we felt, you know, God had called us. And my wife says they were crazy to send us. They didn't know what they were doing. But I just say, no, God knew it all along. And he just, these people had great faith in who we were. Not true, but we were totally inexperienced. We had faith. We were going but we had a limited knowledge about exactly how we were gonna do all these things and what was gonna happen with us along the way. Obviously, this call is a prophetic call of salvation for all the nations through Abram and his offspring, but actually, this speaks of a total new beginning. It speaks of a promise through him. He is, it's through him that the nations will be reached. It's through him, obviously, and we get to Christ later, that there will now be a new people of God through Abram. There's gonna be a new people, a people of faith, because prior to this, in the first 11 chapters, you have God's judgment upon humanity. You have the fall of man and him being banished from the garden. You have a flood, and then you have the Tower of Babel, or Babel, however you wanna say it. It's the Tower of Babel and God coming down to confuse language, because man was saying, we will make a name for ourselves. God says, no. It's about me, and it's about what I'm going to do with you. And in parentheses, which I like, before you get to chapter 12, there's something that we can't forget. Sarah was childless, it says, because she was not able to conceive. But it says that they started out from Ur, because this is actually a rehashing of the call of Abram in chapter 12. God had already spoken to him. They had traveled as far, okay, as Haran, and they stopped. They settled there, it said, for a time. Terah, Abram's father, later dies. I question, I, I just feel like I want to challenge us tonight. Is that okay? Can I challenge everybody tonight? Is that okay? Thanks, Jeremy. Okay. Have we settled too much? Have, have you or I, have we settled too much? And have we become sidetracked from what God is wanting us to do? I'm not so sure about you or myself at times. I believe personally at times I might have settled too much. We've moved around quite a few times, my wife and I, over the years. Uh, but sometimes I've gotten a little bit too settled for what God has called us to do. But Abram was going to take to the road again, obviously, to head out for Canaan. And he was going to learn that God himself was going to become everything for him. And everything was going to be about God for him and through him, and he would grow in his faith and knowledge of the Lord. So this whole thing about being blessed to be a blessing, before I lose you, before you say, well, I don't feel called to go to another nation, I will tell you this. Some will go to another nation. That is true. They're called to go by God to another country. Some of us are called, even as we heard uh, just a few moments ago, to a city. 
God's wanting us to be on the move physically. Many more, many uh, more, many of us, or however you want to say it in English. I don't speak in English very often. Maybe about three times a year preaching English. Muchos más se van a quedar. Many more will stay. Many more will stay, but even as we heard about now, everyone's called to participate. You are called to participate as an extension of a great call of faith. To participate, yes, in receiving the blessing of God, but to be a blessing to the world, to the community they're in, the city that you're in, wherever God would call you to. We, we participate through prayer. You don't have to go anywhere to, to pray. You can participate in giving. You can participate in encouraging others that have gone. You can participate in many, many different ways. But I believe we're all called to be missional in spirit and in heart. We're all called to be incarnational. We are the hands and feet. We are Jesus' expression on the face of the earth into all of our communities and to be on the move at least in our hearts. To be saying, yes, I'm praying for you. I will go with you in heart and spirit and I will cheer you on as you go literally to other nations. But in the meantime, I'll be praying, I'll be giving, I'll be encouraging you in what God's calling all of us to do together. He tells him to leave, which is a big ask. Everything that represented security, his identity, and everything that implied his country, his people, his household, he's telling him to leave everything. And I asked a rhetorical question, what could hold us back maybe at times? Could it be the very thing that God's asking Abram to do about people, a household, his country? Could it be that he was influenced by family? Could it be that we're influenced sometimes by members of family or other people that kind of influence us to not continue to walk in faith? Could it be that we're more given to careers and things or, or, or other things like pleasure than what the call of God is for us? Are there reasons to stay? Yes, there are. And some of those are very legitimate reasons. It could be to take care of family. It could be that it's impossible to leave because of family issues. It could be there's physical limitations or illness. But let's be missional where God has placed us at this moment. I came to the Lord, or the Lord called me to be a believer when I was a young guy, uh, way out in this little place called Anchor Point, Alaska. Anchor Point, Alaska, you've probably never heard of it. Some people in Canada have because they planted a church called Anchor Point. Um, this is cool. And the reason why Anchor Point is one of the coolest places is because it has 250 people living in it. Okay, it's out in the middle of nowhere. Alaska's, you know, like, Alaska is not Canada. Alaska is part of the U.S. of A, okay? So we're not Canadian. My wife was born in Alaska, but she's not Canadian. She's Alaskan. She's an Eskimo. She's not really an Eskimo, but she is Alaskan. Okay, but here's the thing. Is God takes this really lost person, myself, takes me to Alaska. I was working in the oil fields out in the ocean and on oil platforms. I find myself literally in a church of two, or I'm sorry, of 25 people. I grew up in Southern California. That's kind of a big place. I lived at the beach. I was a surfer. God takes me out, puts me in a very solitary, very obscure place in order to deal with me and work in my life. And so this church of 25 people in a town of two, or a village of 250 people, it was very significant because God was there. I would like to say to all of us that are working doing church plants, it's not about size, it's not about numbers, but God is there with you in every place that you and I work. It's significant because we are significant people before God, and God is doing something with you, and he has you there for a purpose, doing things that sometimes you and I might not even understand. He has a promise, Abram does, of land, of a land that God was going to show him. He left not knowing exactly how it was going to go or where it's going to work out, and I believe that's an adventure. It's exciting, and the, the promise of land 
was actually a tangible thing. Land in the Old Testament represented the blessing of God. The people of God on the land, when they disobeyed, they were exiled. They were taken away from this land of promise or this land of blessing. But this was going to be not just a, a promise for no one to see, but people will see through things accumulated by Abram. Crops would be planted. There would be harvest. There was a land. There was actually tangible evidence of what God was going to do with him. Okay, it was, it was a great thing. And there's a promise of blessing because God's a God of covenant. And God commits himself to Abram and he says six times in the verses that we read, I will do this for you. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will do this. And that's totally against, or it goes totally against what chapter 11 in Babel was, we will make a name for ourselves. This is about making God famous. This is about him and what he's doing. He will lead us and guide us. He always knows where to take us. It seems sometimes that, you know, we wonder where God might be. But then the question comes, will you trust me? Will you continually let me lead you and guide you? And he's never going to call us to do something without giving us the grace to do it. He's not, he's not that type of a God. He won't be that way. So, I believe when you look at the story, I wonder if Abram ever doubted what God had called him to do. Okay, he says, through you, okay, all nations will be blessed. Sarah, again, remember, there's that parentheses, and Sarah was barren. She remained childless. I wonder if he thought, how is this ever going to happen? And again, prophetically tonight, and all the singing, we heard all this come through. And I put it down like this. We can disqualify ourselves very easily at times. Say, look at me. Does God really know who I am? Look at who I am because we know ourselves really well. And we kind of discount ourselves. We say, nah, I don't think so. That's for these other people out there. Not for me because look at me in my present circumstance. And I just want to throw this out as well. How many of us truly feel blessed? Because sometimes our blessing, we relate it to certain situations or circumstances in our life. But I started to write this down, and I thought, we were once not even a people, now we're the people of God. We were once enemies of Christ, now we have been reconciled. We were once far off, we've now been brought near. We were actually really lost, but we have been found. We were slaves to sin, now we're slaves to righteousness. We were without hope, now we're full of hope. We are alone, now God's placed us in family. We lived without a reason or purpose, now we have purpose and a reason to continue on. Now we're called holy and righteous. All of this, it says in scripture, all of this is from God. And if that isn't enough, we do have eternal life. Think about it. We got the promise of eternal life. And um, the people that were on the stage a few moments ago, she said it. The, what's her name? It was Matt and Sarah? Sarah. Okay. She quoted the scripture. Brothers and sisters, 1 Corinthians, think of who you were and when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not influential, weren't noble of, of noble birth, but Joe, God chose us, the foolish things of the world, to shame the wise. He chose the weak things, she said that, of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and things that are not, that everybody says, that to nullify the things that are, so that no one boasts before him, but it's actually, we boast of God. Look what the Lord is doing. Look what God is doing in your life. Yes, you are a blessed people. We are a blessed people. We have been blessed to be blessing to the world. And God has promised this. And one of my favorite texts is Philippians, where it says, the one who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion. Paul says, I'm confident, but actually what it's speaking of, I am fully convinced, there's not a doubt, that what God has begun in us, he will carry it out. And we might doubt it at times, we might question it, we might disqualify ourselves, but the promise of God is, and God is a God of promise, a God of covenant, is that I will fulfill my will in your life. I am with you, and I will fulfill that will. It says there's many other things too, uh, but we're going to move on. So that's a little bit about the call upon Abram. But then there's this journey. All of us, I believe, are on our journey in some way or another. 
And I want us to just be at least on the move in our hearts. Be on the move in your spirit and in your heart. And ask God what he's wanting you to do. And I believe that when they had settled and they stopped, there's reasons for it maybe, but I wonder during that time frame if there was distractions or at some time maybe it was forgotten. I believe God reminds Abram that what he had called him to. He's now on the move at 75 and they arrive in this place called Canaan. And then imagine this. And this is just to kind of help us understand some things. There's a severe famine in the land. So Abram with his wife, they ventured down into Egypt because the famine was severe. And he's worried, actually. Abram's worried, but I would say, and I just like to try to bring out life in this. Um, he was worried, but he also has a plan. Okay, he's worried, Abram is, not about the plan of God, not about the nations and all. He's worried about himself. He's worried about himself because he had a really beautiful wife. Hi. And he says to himself, the Egyptians are going to see her, my wife, and they're going to know that I'm her husband, and so they're going to kill me because they're going to want my wife. This is what he's telling his wife, Sarah. Who is this? I put it like this. He's the man of God, the man of faith. Nations are going to be blessed, and he's scheming a plan so he won't get killed. Okay? So what about God's promise? Do you remember it's going to be through him? So actually, he was never going to get killed. He might have thought he was, but he was the promise. God's hand was upon him. He had been called. It was still valid and through his offspring, but he's worried about it. So he comes up with a plan. So Sarah, here, come here. I got something that I feel I need to tell you. I want you to say, you're kind of my half-sister anyway. Let's just say, tell them you're my sister. And listen to what it says. It says, so that I, Abram, will be treated well for your sake. And my life will be spared because of you. I say that's a bit strange, it's a bit weird, and I would as go as far as say it's a little twisted to call your wife, hey, she's my sister, and all that. And after that, it all happens, actually, as Abram plans, okay? She's taken into Pharaoh's palace. Now, I'm not gonna interject anything that's not there, so nobody accuses me of any heresy. There's no details, really, but it does say, well, Pharaoh does say later, that he did take her to be his wife for a time. Okay, we'll leave it at that. He takes her, Abram's wife, to be his wife. And so Abram is treated well because of Sarah and all of this. So he is given, he's acquiring sheep, cattle, donkeys, camels, maid servants, and men servants. But yet the Lord then comes and he flicks serious disease upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarah. And so Pharaoh finds out, he understands, what are you doing to me? All of this is because of you, he says to him. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Sister, he said, here's your wife. Now take her and go. So they go, and it says they left with everything they had acquired. And it was substantial wealth and things that they had together. Then he has a problem with his nephew that he took along on this journey that probably is part of this family thing that got in his way a bit. Uh, and his group, and they decided to separate. They're on this journey together. The, the land couldn't hold all the livestock and things that they have. You need a certain amount of space for grazing, all kinds of things like that. They couldn't do it, so they decide, and there's quarreling going on, so they, they decide to split apart. And Lot goes one way. He goes to the eastern plain of the Jordan, Jordanian plain, and he heads out towards Sodom, basically, and Abram is there. This is where, again, where I believe God has spoken to us as Christ Central. So it says in Genesis 13, 14, it says, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, look around. I believe God wants us to look around. Look around at what the Lord might be showing you and I for church planting to the places we need to go, where God is wanting to send us from where you are to the north. I believe there's churches still to be planted in the north. I believe there's churches to be planted in the south. I, I, we need to go east and west. All the land that I that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I'm gonna make your offspring like the dust of 
the earth, this prophetic promise, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I'm giving it to you. I encourage us all tonight, look around. Look around and see what the Lord might be showing you, because I believe there's much area, nations, that God wants to give us. There's other nations, and I, I put this in, in highlighted this on my own note right here, the UK as well. I love the fact that you started out with a UK church plant in Halifax, and all of you that are here are behind that and applauding that. You can sense that. It's not only about going to the far nations of the world, but it is about the UK as well, and I believe God's got much to do with us through the UK uh, as well. So what's in your heart? What is it that's there for you and, and all of these things that are happening? So after this story takes place, in chapter 15 of Genesis, Abram has a vision from God. And it's something, I think, that has significant importance for him for the future. It says, or he says to him, don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. I'm your great reward. Abram at this stage is probably like myself, maybe some of us that are here tonight. Sovereign Lord, what can you give me? Look at this thing. Look, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who's going to inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And the Lord promises to him, he says, no, that is not going to be your, he's not going to be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood. He says it took him outside, out of his tent to show him something. The vision to him or the vision, the content of that vision to him was don't be afraid or what you hear throughout Old Testament scriptures, fear not for I redeemed you, I'm with you, fear not. What could he have been afraid of? What was there in his heart that made him fearful? We heard about fear tonight, being set free from fear tonight. I'm saying that you guys all did my message tonight so all I'm kind of doing is like repeating everything that's happened tonight. Um, could it be that he was fearful of God's promise to him not being fulfilled? Could that have been it? I don't know. Or when it might take place? Was he a little bit afraid of the unknown? To going out and not really know how things were going to work. Because if you're like me, you like to have a kind of a sure bet. You want things, you know, you wanted the sure thing. But even as we heard tonight of a young couple going out, nothing's for sure. It's like, but there are challenges, but they're going for it. And I, I actually commend you for that. Could he be afraid of other people? Maybe his own self. He knew who he was and himself at times. The new thing, the situation. And I have to say this. Could he have been afraid of the mistakes that he had made? All of us that are sitting here, if you've lived a little bit of life on this earth, um, I'm leaving more every year. I get a little bit older and live a little bit more. Uh, we've made mistakes. I think all of us have at some point or another but the grace of God is always sufficient. The grace of God, I believe he might have been fearful. Can God still use me even though I did or even though this went this way or even though these things worked out? And he says to him, ah, what can you give me? I'm still here. A lot of time has passed and I don't feel like you've come through because I'm still waiting and I, I don't see how this can, that can happen. He has real issues like all of us, and we heard it about tonight through Jeremy uh, speaking, praying prophetically. Maybe he thought it was over, I don't know. Did he lose perspective? Did he resign to the fact that it never happened? Was he maybe a little bit disillusioned, disappointed? And maybe he even thought, well, at this point in my life, at this stage of this church, at this stage of my Christian life, at this stage with my family, at this stage with my children, I just thought things right now, would be, I'd be in a different place. I think maybe I would have been in a different place. And so he has questions and doubts, I believe, about God's promise to him, and maybe we do too. And the way forward didn't look to be too sure, but one thing he knew, things were out of his hands. The very thing that we want to do is hold on to everything. We want, it, we want to decide how it works, but God says, no, you give it to me. I, you are in my hands, and I am with you in covenant. So he takes him outside. Now, in Mexico, we have really nice weather, and we have really great food. We have nice beaches and all of that year round. So um, anytime you want to come, mi casa es tu casa. You can come at any time you'd like. Because I was going to tell us tonight, walk outside from this event tonight and look up. And you'll probably just get, 
bunch of rain and clouds. You won't see much. You'll see England at its best, whatever that is. No, just kidding. So you see this weather, but he takes him out of where he's, he's in his tent. In a vision, he tells him, come out, and he says, look, look up. He's changing his perspective. I believe God, during this weekend, wants to have some of us have a different perspective. He wants us to walk out, and if it does clear, and I'm not trying to be silly, I'm freezing as much as you guys are, um, but he wants us to look and remember the promise of God. So when it does clear eventually, whenever that is, maybe by next spring, look up. Look up and count the stars and see if you can. And remember what we talked about tonight here. I want to say that to us really in a serious way. Instead of looking at his situation, looking down, it's look up, Abram. I want to change your look up here. I'm going to show you this. I'm, this will really happen. And it says he believed and it was credited him as righteousness, and he had done nothing. He'd actually made a pretty big mistake already. And he had stopped, and he had settled, but he's on the move again. And he, he had kind of, kind of maybe lost hope a bit. But it's like all of us, we believe in the Lord, and it's credit to us as righteousness. And we stand totally righteous before him without doing a thing, and God is with us. So now you would think, okay? Now you would think, well, yeah, he's really on track now. Uh, he's got it. Glad we're done with that phase. Then comes chapter 16, and Sarah comes up with this great plan on how this heir will be. And she says, literally, I have no children. I've got an idea. Great idea for you, Abram. Go sleep with my maidservant, Hagar. Perhaps we can build, or we can build through her. Now, this Egypt thing had already happened. God appears to him in a vision, but yet again, they have some issues. And Abram says, um, okay. I just, I, I seriously don't understand some of these things. She does become pregnant, okay? And then after all the story, we're just skipping over this up. But after this happens, Sarah, okay? Sarah, oh Sarah. Um, she says to Abram, you're the responsible one for all this wrong. This was your idea, honey. It wasn't me. You told me to do this. Because she was being despised by Hagar. And she says, Sarah to may the Lord's judge between you and me. And I put this down. A bit strange and dysfunctional, wouldn't you say? From this couple. They're doing things on their own, though. They're trying to take things into their own hand, thinking they can outwit maybe God himself. They've made some big mistakes, misjudgments along the way. Maybe us too at times. I could tell you story after story, not necessarily great ones. I would like to have many do-overs. You guys understand that expression? Do it over, do it again. I would like to have like a second chance on many things. I've said some of the most, I'll say it like this. I've said some of the most ridiculous things in counseling sessions to people. Again, I was 25 years old. This is a true story. I'm 25 years old, been married two years, a one-year-old son, and I'm giving marriage counseling to people that have been married like 20 years. That's kind of a silly, ridiculous thing to do. We did it, and by the grace of God, people are still walking in the Lord today. Um, but we've made mistakes, and I'd like to have some do-overs. And there have been setbacks as well. And there will be, when we go to the nations and when we plant and we start out doing new things, always when you're involved in apostolic extension, there will be opposition. You can expect it. Uh, it's not like you're paranoid, but there will be challenges. There are challenges of family. There's challenges of parents. There's other siblings. There's challenges of church life itself uh, with other people. And I would like to say this about children. We have four boys, 34, 31, 29, and 23. Okay, we've had four angelic beings the whole time. <laughs> they have loved their parents, never a harsh word, and that's all a lie too. But we've had challenges, they've been sick, they've been run over, they've been in difficult situations, they've been in danger. Uh, but we've seen God really work just recently on our oldest son, who basically had become an atheist for about 10 years. And he totally had an encounter with God with none of us involved, 
God sovereignly just breaking him, him crying out to God again. And that's a testimony, and I hope it's something that will encourage all of us here, because if there's one thing, not just one, there's many, if there's one thing, speaking personally, that I personally believe that will get us off track from what God has called us to do, it's our children. But sometimes when they walk away from the Lord or they're not doing like we think they should, uh, we feel guilty, we feel confused, we feel condemned. But I want to say God loves our kids and God loves you in that. And don't give up. Keep praying for your children and ask God to intervene and to come and to rock their world, as, it say, as we say. But it's God who's rich in grace and mercy comes to them again, to Abram and Sarah, in, this, in spite of everything, and Abram is just now sitting outside of his tent. It's chapter 18. And I believe he was pondering everything. He is pondering his life. He's pondering the call. He's pondering this journey. He has a visitation from the Lord himself, I believe. Where is your wife, they asked him. And, well, she's inside the tent. She's in the tent. And one of them said, we'll surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah's going to have a son. <laughs> Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abram and Sarah were already, it doesn't just say old, it says they were very old. Not just old, but very old. Sarah was past the age of childbearing, okay? So Sarah laughed to herself, and she thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, well, I now have this pleasure, that blessing and the Lord said to Abram, why did Sarah laugh? I love these stories. Will I really have a child now that I'm old? And we heard it tonight, and Lou sang it. I wrote it down. Is anything too hard for the Lord? This is going to be a miracle. This takes the intervention of God. Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? I will return at the appointed time, and Sarah, you're going to have a son. So Sarah's afraid, and she lies again. I didn't laugh. These people had some real issues. Seriously, it gives me hope. I have some real issues at times. I don't know what to do. I look at situations and circumstances and churches and church planting. I lack wisdom. I lack understanding. I lack patience at times. I go, God. And he, you hear the voice of God. Is anything too difficult? Okay? But she did lie. You're going to have a baby. Okay? But remember, she's like really old. She's past the age of childbearing. But God was going to do the miraculous, okay? And all of this is born out of intimacy between a couple. The same way all the fruit, everything that comes from what we do together is birth from God. It's intimacy with God in our relationship with him because he is a God that keeps his covenant. So summed up of that, is there anything too difficult? Okay? So... We know that Sarah has a son. Chapter 21. He was gracious and kind. They gave him the name Isaac. And Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. Isaac means laugh. Laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. They'll hear the story. Who would have said to Abraham and Sarah to nurse, that she could nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. God can do the seemingly impossible with all of us if we will continually take steps of faith in him and obey what he's called you to do, okay? 25 years now have gone past. 25 years before this promise is fulfilled. Let's dare to trust God again. Let's dare, let's, let's dare to believe again that God wants to use me, that God wants to use you, that God wants to use us. God never gave up on his plan for Abram, and he will never give up on his plan for you. He won't do it. He's, he's a God of covenant. He keeps his promise. He keeps his word. He's always at work in our life. He is always redemptive in what he's doing uh, for all of us. The last point is sacrifice. We have this call. We have a journey and a sacrifice. And the very thing, that is most precious to Abram, God asked for it. He says, take your son. It's, I love the language, prophetically speaking of Christ himself, obviously. Take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the place, Moriah, where I'm gonna show you. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. Take your son, your one and only son. He had waited so long. I love my boys. 
I have four, like I mentioned. And I have my wife, who I love very much, and she's back there in the back somewhere. Um, and I think, I think, I would give my life for my wife and for my kids. Um, I think I would. But to actually kill one of my kids, to offer my kids like that. Now, we know the end of this story, but at the time, it's very real. It's very raw. It's very, it's like right there. But I believe at this point now, my personal opinion is, I believe now, Abram, after this, all of this, he knew that Isaac ultimately wasn't his. He belonged to God. He was given by God, and he had grown in his faith and his trust in God. And everything that you and I have has been given by God. But actually, actually, and the cross tonight, the singing tonight, the content tonight, we're called to sacrifice it all. We're called to give it all back. And Paul shouts this out, or for me it's like a shout, in view of God's mercy, present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable or pleasing to God because this is your act of worship. Woo, that inspires me. I grew up in the Lord on statements like that. And I believe Abram had learned some things. He wants all of our life. But sometimes that's the thing we want to hold on to the most. Self-preservation, that's mankind's way, their image, success, wealth, working really hard to invest in ourselves. God gave it all to us through Christ, through the cross. He's given it all to us. And what is it maybe, just maybe, that God's asking of you to place on an altar, an altar of sacrifice, to say it really is yours, Lord, my family, my kids, they are yours, it all belongs to you. The greatest commandment is love God, isn't it? With all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And the, and the second one, very similar. To, and love your neighbor as yourself. On those things depend everything. If you want to be great, Jesus said, be a servant. Sow your life into the lives of other people, into your community, to the nations of the world, opening up our homes, seeing how people, how we, how we live, and, and being there for them. Empty nesters. Me, my wife and I now are empty nesters. Woo! Now what are we going to do? Okay, there's a bunch of new possibilities, you know. Um, retired people. We have some retired people that are foreigners living in Mexico. And they're on their pensions living and they're making an impact for the kingdom of God. Maybe God wants you to do something like that instead of only play golf. I play golf. I'm not very good. But there's other things besides golf to do. Like surfing. No, all kinds of other things. I can tell you. About. If you want to find your life, Jesus said, lose it. Lose it in him. Um, and as you're a little bit older, I'm getting to be a little bit older. I'm 59 now. I believe that in taking, for a guy like me and my wife, to take new steps of faith, to do things that we haven't done before, I believe there's a generation, I'm not pointing at you guys, you're pretty young still too, um, but there's a generation of people behind us that I believe need to see faith in action from some of us a little bit older, a little bit more mature. And they will get inspired. And they will see you. And it could be your own kids that watch you continually to take steps of faith and to say, no, for me and my house, we're gonna continue on here. We're gonna serve the Lord as, Lord as long as the Lord grants it. As long as we have health, as long as we can be active, as long as we can do this, we have some time, we have some energy, some left. And we'll keep, on, we'll keep going. I believe younger people will be inspired. They'll see us still moving, taking steps of faith, and being adventurous. I believe that with my whole heart. Today in the seminar, this morning in the seminar, Matt and Vicky were there. I have no idea where they're at right now. And they came up to me afterwards, a young couple. They want to get married. It's cool. Um, and they have a vision to go to Peru. They said, would you pray for us? They're sitting in a seminar listening to a little bit of a story about a couple older people now, a little bit, and they're just inspired a bit. You have a guy like Josh, okay? Josh Bai, who I've known since he's a little kid. We've lived stories together, Roger Bai and myself, with our kids and our families. He's planting a church in Sweden. A guy like Alan and Sarah Rossi, they're up north in Wa'evan. Um, I said that pretty good, Wa'evan. Um, they're up there planting a church. Um, as well, I don't know everybody here, but these, they're, they're younger people, they're doing stuff, they're on, on, on the move. Struggles, yes, of course there will be. Paul said to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. 
Jesus said and he struggled. He understood Christ did. The one who understands every struggle that we have. He said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Doing the will of God. Doing the will of his Father. Going to the cross. Not once, but twice. Father, see as possible. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. A cup of suffering. Drinking a bitter drink. The sin of the world. The wrath of God. And he knew he had to drink. But he said, if there's another way. He learned obedience, Hebrews says, through what he struggled with. He learned obedience through what he suffered. The suffering of obeying the will of the Father, or not mine, and it came out again tonight, not my will, but yours be done. That came out again tonight. So Abram goes, but he says now, he says, we're going to go worship, but we'll be back. He's totally changed. We're going to be back because of a change in his heart. I love Isaac, father, I could just, I could hear it in proper English. Father, father. We would say, hey, dad, in my English. Um, in Espanol, padre. He says, yes, son? A question, please. <laughs> yes, my son. We have some fire and we got some wood. Where's the lamb? And I love this phrase, it's so prophetic. God will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. This is high drama. What's in Isaac's mind? He was bound, placed on the altar. Obviously, talking about exalted father Abram, a promised son in Christ, speaking prophetically, all the nations being reached. Jesus Christ was taken off. He was bound. He was nailed to a tree to be that offering, that sacrifice for all of us. He was the sacrifice. The knife is raised. Then a voice, Abram, Abram. Here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Now I know that you fear God. Now I know. And because you've not withheld your only son from me. And then there's the lamb. There's the ram. The provision of God for all of this. And then it says the Lord came to him a second time. And he says, since you've done this and not withheld your only son, I will surely bless you. And all nations will be blessed through you because you have obeyed me. So in conclusion, I just say, amigos. That's what I put up here. Conclusion, amigos. We have an incredible calling, an amazing journey, but the sacrifice of our lives before the Lord. Do you remember the prayer you made when you first became a Christian? My life is yours. Not your will, but mine be done. There's going to be valleys, yes, There'll be mountaintops, yeah. There'll be sun, there'll be rain. There's gonna be wind, there'll be snow. There will be calm and there will be storms. There will be the heat of the summer days, the changing of a fall season, an approaching winter, new life and spring, growth and freshness. All seasons are different. All seasons are different. They all have good and bad qualities for us all, but God is in every single one of them. We will suffer Lack. We will be in abundance. We will be in health. We'll be in sickness. There will be success and there will be mistakes. There will be laughter and there will be tears and sadness. But there's forgiveness even of the mistakes that we've made. We will see others, and I've seen it really recently, that go to the Lord before us. Good friends, relatives, compadres de la fe, people that we love, that worked side by side with us for years. They suffer but they no longer suffer and they go to be with the Lord. And I can tell you from personal experience of some of my friends in Mexico that have recently died, their heart cry was continue on, run the good race, finish your race well. It's for me, it's time to go, continue on. This country needs to hear the message of the grace of God. The UK, the nations of the world need to hear the message of the grace of God for all the nations. We can't go back. There's no going back. We got to keep moving forward. And I say, wow, what a story. But we're surrounded by such great heroes of the faith with all of their issues. And I, can you hear it echo a bit? Can you hear a voice? Can you hear it? Those that have gone before us kind of like saying, come on, come on. They're cheering us on to the end. 
so that we would be the blessing of God to the nations of the world. Jesus said, go in my name. And the greatest, one of the greatest promises ever, he says, in our going and our planting and our trying to disciple and all these things with all the things that are involved in that. And he says, he's a God of covenant. I will be with you always until the very end of the age. Run well, my friends. I charge you to run well, to run true and to be strong in what God's called you to do. So one day you will hear when you're there in the presence of the Lord, well done, well done, good and faithful servant, because we were obedient to his call. We're on this amazing journey and we gave it all for him who gave it all for us beforehand. And we say, here we are, God, and we will hear that. And I believe that these days are so critical for all of us here to remember that call, to renew a call, to take fresh steps of faith and to respond to a new call and what God's doing in our lives for the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you truly are to all of us. Thank you for the wonderful thing you've begun in us that you're gonna fulfill and carry out to completion. God, we say, here we are. Here am I, send me. Help me to be open and a willing heart and a willing spirit just to minister to those that are around me. But we do say we are willing, Lord, if you so choose to call us to a different city, nation, to plant or whatever it is that you want us to do, we say we're willing, Lord. Help us with our willingness. Father, I pray for Christ Central. I pray for what we are together and what you're doing in our midst. Father, help us to run well, to run strong, to look out for one another and just to embrace really a real spirit of adventure and in faith in, go, in our going. God, I pray that you would totally, like you already have this evening through worship and prophecy and prayers that have already been offered up, I pray that you would speak to us in the coming sessions. I pray that you would radically get a hold of the young people and amplify and the young kids that are in here singing and they have their classes. I pray that you would do great and mighty things in their hearts and in their lives. I pray that even as we heard tonight, there would be restoration of family. There would be restoration of kids coming back to the Lord. I believe, Father, too, as well as singles that aren't even married, that they would say, I'm available. I'm willing, I will go. Father, help us just to hear your voice. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a real heart to perceive and understand, and a willingness to go, God, to the ends of the earth or across the street or to our next door neighbor to love our neighbor as ourself and for you to be glorified in it all, to do great, insight, great signs and wonders for you. We say thank you, Lord, for all of this in your name. And everybody says, amen. Muchas gracias. Just um, the, the key word that came out as you were speaking as well is trust. It's like, I'm going to trust the call. I'm going to trust the journey. I'm going to trust what it costs. And I'm going to trust that God is bigger than all of it. And I can trust him and his faithfulness. And uh, I just want to respond with that. Before we do the, we will go. I'm, I feel it's good for us to, to respond with trusting God. Maybe some of you, you've, you've kind of backed off because you're in fear or you're not trusting or you have, you've forgotten that God is able. You've forgotten the call. Or you've forgotten the things that he's placed on your heart. Or maybe you've just grown weary or tired. Or maybe you haven't quite seen the supply coming at the time you expected it to. God's saying, hold on, I've called you. I am at the journey. So I want to encourage you right now that we stand together. And let's trust that God is our shepherd, that he guides us, that he leads us. When we hit that darkest path, he's with us. And trust that he's going to do everything that he says he will do. I just, just what Lou said and kind of what everything's happened tonight, just by raising your hand where you're at, can you say, yeah, this is for me, God spoke to me. Can you guys do that, please? 
I think, thank you, I think uh, it's helpful as we sing to come forward. There's plenty of space over here. Actually, I think it's prophetic in you taking some steps out of where you're at to come forward for people to pray for you and, and you say to God himself, okay, I'm gonna walk where you're calling me to walk. I think it's important to do that, uh, not just to go, but to actually come to the Lord, come to him. Um, so as, we, as Lou starts to sing or lead us in a song, uh, just start coming up, please, and working your ways. There's plenty of room up here. Please don't be uh, too reserved or anything like that. Just come forward and let God speak to you. Let God uh, work on your heart, please.